just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. I'm still trying to catch up, still kind of in a funk. Now, there was supposed to be a podcast done yesterday, but there wasn't. No podcast at all. And I'll tell you why. The day before, I was going to come home from Phoenix to Minnesota, and we were flying back. Now, I've told you before, my wife works for an airline, so we have the good fortune of being able to fly for free. And fortunately, when we fly for free, we're on standby. And what I didn't figure was that uh, this was a Sunday, and this is spring break, and a lot of people have to get home and go to work from their spring break, whatever that might have been. So the first flight was supposed to go out about 6 o'clock, packed to the gills. We didn't get on that flight. A couple hours later, there was another flight. Didn't get on that one either. That one was packed. So now we're trying to think, what the hell are we going to do? There's one more, the red eye, at midnight. And if we don't get on that, what happens? We've been sitting here for about eight hours. Now, there's another flight in the morning about 8, 9, 10 o'clock, something like that. Do we go get a hotel, spend a bunch of money on another hotel, a Uber, and all this other bullshit? Or we just waited out in the airport? I didn't like either prospect, to be perfectly honest with you. So the flight comes up at midnight. And it's pretty well packed. But somehow, one way or another, (laughs) we were the last two people that got on the plane. Now, I tried to tell them. I said, look, you don't know who you're fucking dealing with here. I got 143,000 people following and are peers of mine on TikTok. I will not be fucking trifled with. And you know what? They didn't give a shit. (laughs) I didn't really do that. But anyway, we got on the flight at midnight. Since there's two hours between uh, Arizona and Minnesota, it's like 5 o'clock when we get back. Take another 45 minutes to get home. We go to sleep for a little while, and then we have to go out and do a bunch of other stuff by 9, 30, 10 o'clock. So we got maybe three, maybe four hours sleep, and the whole day was pretty much a waste. So no podcast was given. And if you don't believe that, I'll just say the fucking dog ate it. (laughs) but there was really no way I could get the podcast done. I apologize for that. And now the previous podcast, the two previous to this one, uh, were different kinds of podcasts, clearly. Now you've heard it. It was more about me personally giving you some kind of insights about me, some of my experience, uh, some of the stories I've had. Now, some of you may have liked those, and some of you may not have liked those. And if you didn't like them, I've got good news for you. (laughs) We're back to normal again this time around. You're not going to hear all those stories unless you want to hear them. I might intersperse the podcast with some of those stories now and again if I've got new ones to tell you. But mainly we're here to do one thing. Talk about current events. Talk about politics. Talk about how fucked up things are in this world and in this country. And maybe get some better insights about what's going on and why it's going on and hopefully make all of us a little more informed. Now, because it's been a couple of, a few days since I've actually sat down and done a podcast, I have a number of emails that I want to read to you. And I've told you before, I'm always looking forward to your input, your comments, your complaints, your ideas, whatever it is. And you can reach me by emailing me directly at rationalboomer at gmail.com or going to anchor.fm, looking for the Rational Boomer podcast and leaving me a voicemail. I have no voicemails today, but I do have some emails. So let's get to them. Hey, Mike, I'm a big fan. Your TikToks and podcasts are among my favorites by far. I live in central Washington state on the side of the Cascade Mountains that's mostly conservative. I worry often for my little cousins. They are 8 and 12, and their dad is a crazy right-wing narcissist. The oldest has gotten into trouble numerous times for telling his teachers that they are stupid, 
for believing global warming. Both boys are anti-mask, and they will literally parrot um, anything their dad says. The lack of empathy for others are very judgmental and will not listen to reason when someone tries to correct them. Hearing such young people spout such ignorant and hateful rhetoric is alarming, and I worry about the kind of people they're going to become. They're not only kids being taught this crap from their parents either. It's a really sad problem we are seeing. We have such so much ugly in the world right now, and some days it feels like there that's all there is. But I know... Uh, the importance of keeping a positive attitude and never giving up hope that most people are good. Thank you for being a direct and compassionate voice during this time. You do a wonderful job. Take care and thanks for your time. L. Now you notice, I, I'm going to answer some of that too because it's interesting, but I, I, I just gave the initial because <laughs> fortunately later on she sent me this email. Hey, it's me again. If you haven't already recorded your podcast with my email, would you please leave out my name or call me L in the off chance someone I know listens in? Totally fine if I'm too late. I like to live dangerously sometimes. Have a great week. Well, I'm not going to out you, L. I'm not going to give out your email address. I'm not going to give out anything like that. I can appreciate your concerns (laughs) about that. Um, I've often said uh, 99.9% of the problems in this country can be um, tracked back to shitty parents. The good news I'll give you on this, though, and it doesn't always work, but uh, I had a father who was narcissistic, uh, conservative, sociopathic, pathological liar. He was a piece of shit. Fortunately, I had a mother who was a good woman who was a decent woman, and uh, my dad worked a lot. So I spent more time with her, and I was able to absorb more of her than him. Now, every so often, and when I was younger, there were some parts of him that creeped into me. But I think people, you know, people will always say, "Uh, look, I'm this way because my dad was this way. And I always find that as a fucking ridiculous excuse. I'm abusive because my dad was abusive. Well, here's the deal. When you become an adult, you may have been programmed to be abusive because your father was abusive, but you're also smart enough to know the difference between right and wrong. And you have a choice. Do I go right? Do I go wrong? (laughs) And if you choose to go wrong, can't blame daddy anymore because you fucked up. This is who you are. And I see this a lot, you know, where I grew up in South Minneapolis, I found out, I I never really knew this before, but I found out there's a lot of Trump-humping pieces of shit, stupid people where I grew up. You know, people that were friends of mine. And I can understand you not wanting your family members to maybe decipher out that this is you. I can tell you that's probably wise. I've had some situations where I've been less than subtle about the things I say on social media, And some family members of mine (laughs) have seen it. And I wasn't really worried about them seeing it. They can be mad if they want to. But I've got some family members right now that don't want to talk to me. But that's all right, because I don't want to talk to them. Uh, Granted, it's tough if you've got old friends or family members that you lose because of differences of opinion. But here's my point in this situation. I've got people that are angry with me because I speak out against Donald Trump, because I speak out against some of the shit going on in this country. And it's funny. You know, people will see me and they feel compelled to try to throw something in my face. You know, they, 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 they'll say, well, what about this? What about that? And then, of course, I'm compelled to come back and give them an argument. And because they're stupid and I'm dealing with truth, it isn't hard to embarrass them or make them look foolish. And then when I do that, they call me out for being mean. And then other people come to me, say, why don't you just why don't you just leave it alone? Well, here's the fucking deal. Why aren't you telling them to leave it alone before they come to me? Because if they come to me with a lie, I'm going to call them out. I'm going to push back. That's the unfortunate thing, but that's what I feel I need to do. As much as these people have different political opinions from me, I have a bigger issue here. 
I see what they've done over the last five years, and they've done everything they can to damage this country, to undermine our democracy, to overturn elections. To me, that's unforgivable. Whether you're my relative or my friend, I'm hard-pressed to forgive that. Not for my sake, but the sake of my kids and my grandkids. And when you fuck with my kids and my grandkids, I don't give a shit who you are. So, L, I can appreciate where you stand on this and, and why you'd be concerned. And and I respect the fact that you don't want to get in that mess. You really don't want to. Having been in it a number of times, <laughs> it's not pleasant for most people. The, the, the problem these people, these Trumplicans have with me is that most people are afraid of getting in confrontations. They don't like confrontations. Here's the thing. I don't mind confrontations because if I'm arguing about something I truly believe in and have the facts, I'll argue to my death with that. And maybe I'm the jerk for doing it, but I don't fucking care. I like to think that this world, this country, my house, whatever, my family, my friends, that we all can agree on what's true and what's righteous. And we can all agree on what's bad, what's negative, and what's wrong. And if we can't agree on that, then we we should not be friends. Because if you're hurting my country and ultimately hurting my family with my kids and my grandkids, fuck you. I don't care who you are. And that's a little stronger attitude than most people take. And I can appreciate people not wanting to do it. So it is alarming, L, about these kids. And chances are good they'll grow up just like Dad. And that's unfortunate. But with all the things going on now, hopefully a lot of this stuff will be exposed and these people will be put in their place. They will be embarrassed and will at least be able to send these fuckheads under the rocks again where they were before Donald Trump came in office. All right, next one up. This one comes from Jacob. <laughs> we're still on these hashtag things. People are coming up with stuff, and I appreciate that. Mike Hey, it's Jake again. I sent you a couple of slogans already, but I think I found the one. It's short, sweet, and it really works. Let me know what you think. And that's what I was asking for. Short, sweet, succinct, concise. And uh, this is what he came up with. Hashtag recremlicans. Yeah, the Kremlin. I actually kind of like that, Jacob. Recremlicans. It kind of says it all. Republicans, Kremlin, Russia, Putin. You might be on to something there, Jacob. Recremlicans. Think about that. Okay, the next one comes from another gentleman who's written before. Mike, I enjoy listening to other boomers' names for these reputlickers. <laughs> I kind of like that, too. It isn't easy to produce a name for these uh, Q and kickers, <laughs> kissers. <laughs> These Trumpskis, with their Trump illness, has kept the door open too long with this Republican infestation. It's time we silence Putin's Trump puppets. <laughs> we have the power to vote on these Poot idiots. Stay strong, America. Boomer regards, Jay. <laughs> I see what you did there, Jay. You tried to incorporate it into the, uh, the letter, and you came up with some good ones. I like the harsh ones, you know, the ones that really sting. And, Jay, I think you nailed it on that one, on some of these. Some of these are a little long, but repoot lickers, kind of like it. Poot idiots, I like that too. <laughs> All right, Jay, thank you very much for the comments and the suggestions. Okay, I have another email. Now, I want to preface this one. This email is calling me out, which is perfectly fine. I've told you before, if you have complaints or you disagree with me, feel free. I'm not going to be angry over it. I'm not going to get mad or do anything bad about it. However, I want you to understand something because it's just my nature. If you call me out on something, you must also be prepared to hear a rebuttal or or maybe calling you out on something. That doesn't mean I don't like you. It doesn't mean I'm mad at you. It doesn't mean we can't be friends. We're going back and forth. We're giving and taking here. So <laughs> the other thing I have to say, and, and please, ma'am, when you wrote this email, I'm not trying to make fun of you. I'm just, I know somebody's going to say something or make a joke about it, and I just want to clarify it. 
Now, the woman who wrote this is named Karen. That's really her name. (laughs) I'm not saying Karen because I'm making fun of her. That's the name she put on it. All right. And this is about a subject I've said before I don't really want to talk about because I have no dog in the fight. I don't know the answers, and I'm not good with this question. I did give some opinions on it, and she took exception to it, which is her right, and I'm happy as hell that she wrote a a, a an email to me about it. She says, Hi, Mike. I've written before on a lighter subject. However, after hearing your words on abortion today, I felt strongly enough I have a need to weigh in. First, I have two sons, ages 24 and 31. They are so much more in tune to feelings of their own and women's than males of our generation. No offense. And uh, I will say, first off, Karen, largely you're right, but don't make generalities. Not all boomers are the same, and that's the whole point of doing the rational boomer deal here on podcast and on TikTok. Anyway, she says, you stated you may have been for it as a young man, but after having children and realizing the joy they bring to you and maybe to the world, that's for the world to decide, you would not have an abortion. Not exactly what I said. What I said was when I was young and uninitiated and didn't know anything about it, I would say, you know, the question about abortion, I said, sure, what the heck? I didn't think much about it. As I got older and I had some kids, I, I had a different perspective of this whole thing. And I understand the upside and the downside of it. And I'm, I'm confused by it. I'm not making any judgments. I'm just saying how I felt. Now, don't argue with me about how I felt. I'm trying to be honest with you. And whether it was right or wrong at the time, that's how I felt. And that's what I'm trying to explain to you. I'm not trying to negotiate or argue the point with it. Okay, she says, number one, you cannot have an abortion, Mike. You are a man. Uh, no shit, Karen. Number two, you cannot experience the loss of something you never had. It's not possible. I got a little problem with that. Can I understand what it's like giving birth? No, I cannot. But do you have any insight on how a man feels about a child when it's born? I mean, do you know? No, you don't. Maybe some men are indifferent to it. Maybe some men are very emotionally attached. I have two sons. I couldn't love two people more than I love them. I have grandkids. That I'm obsessed by these kids. I love these kids. While I didn't birth them, I still have an emotion to them. Don't discount how a man feels about his children. Just because he didn't birth them doesn't mean there isn't a strong attachment She goes on, while I understand you think you know, you do not. You simply cannot. I'm sure if your wife had a miscarriage, you would be upset almost as much as her, but not the same. It's not the same. Not your choice, not your body, not your life, even if it's a shared life. Look, see, this is the problem, Karen. You're coming at me like I'm debating with you or arguing with you about it. I told you how I felt at different times, and then I told you I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't know the answer to it. I was very clear about that. So why you're calling me out on the things I said, I'm not sure. I'm telling you how I felt, not what my argument about it was. In fact, I've told you I don't want to argue about abortion because I'm not not competent to, to, to argue it. She says, you also mentioned the overuse phase, uh, phrase, cases of rape and incest. So in your eyes, in your eyes, are those the only situations that are acceptable for you having an abortion? Again, you cannot have an abortion. What about an accident, or just a plain old unplanned pregnancy you are ill-prepared for and don't want, assuming you are a woman, which you are not. Please don't ever use the words, I would have, I wouldn't have, I could have, I couldn't have, etc. You will never be in the position, and neither will your sons. This is where I don't think I would, might possibly fit. First of all, Karen, don't ever tell me what to think. It doesn't work. Everybody in my life I've ever known from 
parents to teachers to grandparents to my wife to my kids try to tell me what to think, it doesn't work. That doesn't work with me. I didn't say... I didn't say that the only time abortion is acceptable is in cases of rape or incest. Now, here's what you got to do, Karen. You got to listen to what I say. I told you I don't comment about this because I don't know enough about it. I said I was confused. I understand the concern about people that are pro-life, not the fucking nutcases. See, there are nutcases on both sides, and that's the problem. We get the nutcases, or the far left, the far right, going at it. And the people in the middle that have some sensibilities about this get drowned out by the far left and the far right. What I said, Karen, now listen very carefully. I said my perception of abortion is different now than when I was 18, 19, 20 years old. Okay? Does that make sense? That doesn't mean I'm <clears throat> I'm against abortion because I have another issue with this. And I said this when we talked before. I said that Roe v. Wade is a, is a settled case. It is a constitutional right for a woman to have an abortion. Whether it's a legitimate choice or an illegitimate choice isn't for me to decide. Women have a constitutional right to have an abortion. I don't think there is ever any time in this country that we should allow anybody to lose a right, a constitutional right. I don't care what it is. I'm talking about the Second Amendment because here's the problem. If you give up one right, they're going to start taking more away from you. So in that sense, I'm pro-abortion because that's their right. I'm not even going to be delusional enough to tell women what they can and cannot do. I'm not qualified to do that. And I said that before, Karen, but you're looking for a fight here. And I'm not going to give you a fight because you're not even catching on to what I'm saying here. I'm talking about a perspective to something that, that a lot of people argue about for a long time. And now you're clearly angry here. I'm not angry. I'm trying to clarify for you. Don't tell me what I could or could not experience. Now, of course, biologically, I can't have a baby or I can't have an abortion. That's true. But does that suggest then then if you adopt a kid that you can't form some kind of relationship with that kid that's justifiably mother and son or mother and daughter or father and daughter or whatever? See, that's the thing. You're making judgments on people. You're, you're getting mad because you think I'm making a judgment on women, and I'm not. But then in return, you're making judgments on men, what they can and cannot feel about their children. And I have a problem with that. Biologically speaking, you're right. Emotionally speaking, I don't think you know. You're telling me I don't know because I'm a, not a woman. And I'm telling you, you don't know because you're not a man. <laughs> that. Then she goes on and she says, this point is a little crude, but needs to be made. Well, I'm all about crude, and you know that. Men throw away sperm every time they masturbate. Women do not throw away eggs when they masturbate. The fuck is your point? I mean, that's a ridiculous statement. I'm sorry, Karen. I'm not angry with you, but that's a ridiculous statement. I don't even know how that plays into this whole fucking conversation. Lastly, she says, I'll never know how a man or another human experiences their feelings, wants, desires, grief, pain. That's exactly what I said. I'm not a man. I'm not that other human. I am me. I really do take issue with anyone who is sure they would act a certain way in a given circumstances. That might be something a cocky 21-year-old might say. At 61, you had to have had been in circumstances where you reacted, acted a way you could not have predicted. You're missing the whole point, Karen, of what I said. I would never tell you what to do in any circumstances, even if you were my husband or my son. 
There are certain things that cannot be felt by anyone but the person in the experience. No one knows what they will do in any situation until they're in it, and most obviously you will never, never, ever be put in a situation of needing, wanting an abortion, and it's not because you're too old. I know from my experience some men, maybe not you, get very insulted and even angered when told they do not know, cannot know, we will will never know. But Mike, it's fact. Then <laughs> she wraps it up by saying, enjoy your Arizona vacation. See if you can ask some random Arizonans Christian cinema, but why? Okay, now I didn't ask anybody about Christian cinema. I didn't want to get into any of that shit while I was in Arizona. But here's what I'll say to you, Karen. As far as you telling me, I'll never know or never understand the experience of getting pregnant, giving birth, having abortion. That's right. I admit it. I said that from the beginning. But what you're doing here is you're trying to um, you're trying to put me in my place for simply having an opinion, and I don't mean an opinion of pro-abortion or anti-abortion. For all intents and purposes, based on what I said, clearly I'm pro-abortion because I'm pro-constitutional rights and I'm against taking away people's rights. I'm just saying as a human being, I have a different perception of when I was 20 and didn't have kids to now when I do have kids and I have grandkids. It's a different perception to me. Um, When I was young, abortion was kind of an intangible, you know. But now it's more tangible because I have children and because I have kids. See, here's the problem, Karen. (laughs) I agree with you, and you still want to argue with me. Why? It's just about perception. I told you when we talked about it before, I am in no position to make any choices, decisions, or offer any opinions about abortion. All I can tell you is about my perception. And I was trying to explain when I have these different perceptions that this is why I stay away from the topic, because I have really nothing to offer. I can't have an abortion. I can't have kids. But when I was 20 years old, I didn't, I couldn't grasp it. I didn't realize what it is. And then when I was 27 years old and I had my first child, it changed my perception. I think what you've got to do is in life you learn things as you go along. If you're smart, you take a look at things and you change your perception based on what you've learned. You want to make me out to be somebody who's going against you. The fact is, I'm not. I agree with you. But you want to deal with the semantics of this. Well, you can't say this because I can get pregnant and you can't. You're right. So what? I can only come to things with a perception as being a man. My wife can only come to things with a perception of a woman. The difference between us. (laughs) The bottom line is abortion is perfectly legal. It should stay legal. It's been something that's settled for 50 years. I agree. There are many situations when it's necessary. There are also situations that trouble me where people use it simply as birth birth uh, control. These are people that aren't very responsible and they just do this thing over and over again. That troubles me, but that isn't something that I would say to stop or speak negatively about abortion. I wouldn't do that. In everything, there are people who abuse rights in uh, welfare, in taxes, in whatever. But that isn't, that isn't what you focus on when you decide what is law and what is not law. Abortion is the law, and I believe it should stay the law. Whether I can know what it's like to have kids or have an abortion is irrelevant because we all know that to be the fact. I'm not going to try to debate anybody what they should do. Karen? you got to pick your battles. Fight with the people who actually disagree with you. But understand one thing. When you're talking about with a radical right or a radical left person, when you guys come together and start arguing, neither one of you will change each other's minds. 
So don't fucking waste your time doing it. Do what you can do to support your 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 um, your policies, and don't worry about fighting with other people and nitpicking. Well, you can't know. You can't. That does no good. And don't fight with people that fucking agree with you. You're wasting your time. Work hard. We all must work hard to maintain what our constitutional rights are. Whether you like them or not, you should fight for everyone's constitutional right for everything because the moment they start taking one away, they'll take more. That's a precedence we can't allow to set. All right, Karen. Again, I'm not mad at you. I appreciate it. You gave me some things to talk about here, and um, it may or may not be of interest to certain people, but it needs to be said now at this point, because I don't have a dog in the fight, because I don't know what I'm talking about, because it's just a perception for me. We're not going to talk about abortion again. <laughs> just not going to do it. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, the confirmation hearings for Supreme Court Justice nominee Katanji Brown Jackson has begun. Now, first, I want to say this. She is an outstanding nominee, a highly qualified nominee. Dare I say the most qualified nominee for Supreme Court justice in the history of America. Now, that's just not conjecture. That's just not my opinion. The facts say she literally has more experience in different levels of law than any other previous nominee. And that means some of the big ones. There was a time in this country you didn't have to have a law degree. I didn't, you may still not need a law degree to be on the Supreme Court. But this woman is very accomplished. And this should be a slam dunk. There should be no question whether they be on the right or the left side of the aisle. This should be a slam dunk. Everybody should vote for her. Now, Senator Ted Cruz, Republican, of course, he has to grandstand. And, you know, to be perfectly honest, um, there are many in our history when it was white men being nominated to the Supreme Court where nobody asked them a simple question. There were no hearings. They were put up, they were voted on, and they were put in. It wasn't until we started getting people of color or women or that sort of thing where we started to have the hearings because the white men start to get a little nervous about it. You know, somebody comes in, a black woman or a Jewish woman or whoever, and they got to ask them questions because they're nervous about them. They don't know what to do with somebody who's not an old white man. But Senator Ted Cruz took to the uh, podium and was going to question uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson. Now, Ted Cruz, the only reason he talks is to hear himself talk and to get a little publicity. That's what most of these people do when they go to these hearings. They're looking for TV time, so they got a better chance of getting voted in in their next election. But, of course, Ted Cruz has to be a little dramatic about it. And he was very condescending when he says, uh, Miss Jackson, we won't treat you like those horrible Democrats treated Brett Kavanaugh. We aren't going to ask you whether you like beer or what your teenage dating habits were like. <laughs> Wait a minute, Ted. Teenage dating habits. Brett Kavanaugh. Let me ask you, Ted, are you uh, saying that dating and sexual assault <laughs> are synonymous? I mean, maybe that's why you didn't get to go to prom. Maybe you can't tell the difference between dating and sexual assault because that's what uh, Brett Kavanaugh was accused of. 
He was accused of drinking excessively, getting blackout drunk, abusing and assaulting women. And we had a number of women who were uh, victims of said assaults. Now you're trying to compare that to how you're going to be a nice guy with um, with Miss Jackson because you're above it all, because you're better than the Democrats. Well, um, after that being said, we still had some Republicans that uh, didn't really understand what Ted Cruz said. Senator John uh, Cornyn, uh, he was troubled by her advocacy on behalf of Guantanamo Bay detainees. She thought it, he thought it was bad that she was advocating for terrorists. And yes, there are terrorists at Guantanamo Bay. It's an interesting situation, though. Many of these people have yet to be charged. They're still in uh, detained and nothing's been done. And that's kind of contra, con, contradictory to the way our Constitution works. Now, of course, they're in Cuba in Guantanamo Bay. I don't know if that gives them some more leverage. But in Guantanamo Bay, there has been um, a lot of investigations that sown torture, humiliation, sexual abuse. So there's some bad shit going there. We've got a prison, essentially, that uh, some abuse and some criminal activity is going on. And the fact that uh, Katanji Brown Jackson uh, advocated for them is troubling to John Cornyn. Well, listen, John, when you have a situation where there are crimes being committed and a judge wants to offer some advocacy, I don't see where the fucking problem is. The problem is, John, you're looking for anything to try to undermine Miss Jackson as a candidate for Supreme Court justice, not because of any other reason than she's Democrat or she's liberal. I won't even say it's because she's black because I don't know if John Cornyn is racist. It might be that case too. But all you're trying to do is contradict this situation. Let me tell you something about Katanji Brown Jackson. There is no dirt on this woman. Trust me, they've looked and she is clean. She's a decent person and an excellent judge. There's nothing more you can find. And even if you try to make shit up, it isn't going to work. Now, Senator Marsha Blackburn suggested Jackson had a hidden agenda. She's concerned about school mask mandates and critical race theory and letting uh, violent criminals back on the streets. Now, Marsha Blackman is a fucking buffoon. She's an idiot. She's a Trump humper. She's a QAnon freak. She is the worst kind of human we can have in public office. Now, she's talking about critical race theory. And this is, this is one thing that really troubles me with Republicans. They're all worried about critical race theory in our schools. <laughs> critical race theory has never been taught in any school in this fucking country. They made up a problem because it's racist. They throw it out there as a dog whistle and they get all these dumb people, people dumber than you and I, kicking up and saying, yeah, we don't want critical race theory. Now, these people like Marsha Blackman know it doesn't exist. They know it doesn't fucking exist in our schools. Critical race theory is just that, a theory. And uh, it makes some good points. It's very valid. But it's not something that's in the lesson plans or the curriculum of schools. It never has been. They're making up problems and making it a dog whistle so they can get the faction of dumb fucks in this country to uh, get all reared up and angry about it because they're going to talk about people of color. We don't even want to talk about slavery. These people are some of the most despicable fucks I've ever seen, and uh, Senator Marsha Blackburn is a leader of them all. Now, we did hear something about a um, another Supreme Court justice, Clarence Thomas. Now, you know about his wife, Jenny Thomas, the insurrectionist, the traitor, the treasonist. He's going to have some problems with her, and he refuses to recuse himself on those things that... Uh, 
his wife might have been involved in, which is highly suspect. He should be impeached. He won't be impeached because there, uh, it's just not likely that it's ever going to happen. But we just heard that Clarence Thomas has been in uh, an, a hospital since Friday with flu-like symptoms and an infection. Now, we don't know what that, that's about, and they've said, well, it's not COVID. Okay, well, it's not COVID. We don't know that it's not COVID because Republicans uh, continually lie about shit. All we know is Clarence Thomas is sick and in the hospital. He's 73 years old. He's not crazy old. Now, at this point, I think a lot of people will say, will think that I'll say something uh, maligning Clarence Thomas. And, uh, you know, it's it's not good to... Uh, wish ill on somebody, regardless if they agree with you or not. So I won't wish ill, technically. I'll just say what the Republicans do. I'll just say, Clarence Thomas, you have our thoughts and prayers. And whatever happens, it's going to be fucking God's will. (laughs) I... Clarence Thomas, I have a lot of problems with. He's another guy that abused women, got into court. He's been this this radical right guy. He has a wife who's a treasonous and a traitor, and uh, he's right in line with her, and she he's exactly the kind of person that should not be on our Supreme Court. One thing Katanji Brown-Jackson said today is that she wants to be making decisions on a neutral basis. And that's really how it should be. I don't understand why everybody is so concerned about Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative people on the Supreme Court. Partisanship should not even come into play in this thing. But God help us, the Democrats and the Republicans will fight like hell. They'll do anything to get somebody who supports their agenda on the Supreme Court. It's about law. It's about law, and and the abortion law, the settled law of Roe v. Wade should be a good example of it. These people shouldn't make partisan judgments. They shouldn't make personal opinions. They should take a look at the law, uh, decipher what that law says, and stick to the letter of the law, whether they agree with it personally or not. See, that's the problem with our Supreme Court. We got too many partisan attitudes. We got too many personal opinions. This isn't about personal opinions. This is about the fucking law. Stick to the law. And that sounds like what Katanji Brown Jackson is going to do. And it's about time we got somebody on the Supreme Court that understands the fucking job. All right, let's talk about the war in Ukraine. Russia issued an ultimatum to Ukraine to surrender the city of Maripol. Now, what Vladimir Putin is doing, he's telling them to lay down their arms and give up their city. Putin said they would open humanitarian corridors so Ukrainian people could escape the country. Now, he's done this before, and what's he do? He fucking lies and he shoots them. So why should anybody believe Vladimir Putin? Nobody in their right mind would believe Vladimir Putin. But you see... You see what's going on here? Do you hear the desperation in this? Putin thought he would roll into Ukraine and roll over Ukraine. But Russia hasn't taken one major city in Ukraine as yet. That is an embarrassment to Vladimir Putin. That is a failure in the Russian army. They thought they'd roll over these people, and Ukraine is fighting like hell and doing a good job. So now he thinks he can threaten them into submission. But that's what he's been doing since the start of this war. Zelensky has essentially said to him, fuck off. They weren't even addressing that ultimatum that Zelensky or that uh, Vladimir Putin has given him. Here's what you have to understand. Vladimir Putin in Russia only has maybe a week in supplies. And then he's got a problem. Then he's done. He has nothing. He's done nothing. And he is working. His ultimatum is a desperate and pitiful plea. Now, that said, 
I'm not trying to say that Russia hasn't done anything to Ukraine. They certainly have. They've devastated Ukraine. They've killed people of Ukraine. They've gotten their own people killed. They've destroyed smaller cities. They've destroyed buildings. And they've killed women and children. In fact, they've targeted women and children. These fucking people are despicable. But the funny thing is, Ukraine keeps fighting, keeps pushing, and they can't do what they want to do. They're days away from being in a situation where they have no supplies. And with that, then they have to make a choice. Do they pull out? So you see what Putin's doing here. He's seeing he's in a desperate situation. He can't take over Maripol or Kiev or any of these places. So he's saying, again, you better surrender or else. Or else what, Vlad? You've been saying this from the beginning. You lined troops up on the border and said, well, if you don't give up and fold up and die, we're coming in. Zelensky said, fuck you. You came into the country and they said, we're going to devastate this country if you don't give in. Zelensky said, fuck you. And all along the way this has been going on, Ukraine has stepped up and fought back all the way. And every time Russia is losing this war, every day it goes on, they look worse and worse and worse. So now he's trying this game. He's been bullying this whole time. And now he says, well, you better, you better, <laughs> you better surrender. You see, his problem is he's been in there a long time, three weeks. He's got no major city. And now he looks really stupid. So he's just taking a desperate act and saying, you better give up. But these bullying tactics aren't working against Ukraine. They aren't working against Zelensky. But the sad and pitiful thing for Vladimir Putin is that's all he's got. His great and powerful army has gone into Ukraine. And it's not so great and it's not so powerful. And he's being exposed for the fraud that he is. So he's in trouble. He's in deep trouble here at this point. Now, um, we've got a few other things here I wanted to talk about. Um, there's a new book out called House of Trump, House of Putin. They say this is the untold story of Donald Trump and the Russian mafia. It is called the greatest intelligence operation of our time. Now, <clears throat> that is said by the author. And, and, and the author is is got some interesting points here. He, he thinks about how the Russian government has targeted Trump for over 30 years using Trump properties to launder money. And if you take a look at what's gone on with the Trump organization, you can see it. I mean, it's right there in front of you. We've seen this uh, firsthand. Russians owning Trump buildings. You have to understand, probably for the last 10, 15 years, maybe longer, Trump doesn't build anything anymore. I mean, he started out as a, as a developer and building buildings, but he doesn't do that anymore. You know, he's failed so many times. He owes so many people lots of money that he can't get the funding to do it. So what happens is another group will come in, they have the money, and they build buildings, and then they license Donald Trump's name, the Trump name, and put it on the fucking building. Now that's, of course, when it was a valuable commodity. Now people are taking the Trump name off of buildings because it's causing them to lose business and uh, look silly. But it's interesting when you consider it. And you even talk about Trump Tower. We've heard about a lot of Russian people owning apartments in Trump Tower. We've even heard situations where there are apartments that are unoccupied but owned by Russian people, Russian, you know, oligarchs or whatever. Now, that's interesting. The suggestion that Russia is using Donald Trump as a place to launder money makes some sense when you look at all of these things. After 30 years of accepting easy money. See, Donald Trump's not a bright guy. And the Russians know how to work him, know how to manipulate him. He's a narcissist. So all you have to do is, is uh, flatter him, compliment him, and now you have him. He's an easy mark. 
So they do that, say how great he is, say how smart and how talented he is, and then he'll just go along with anything. So for years and years, he's gotten all this money from Russia. His kid, I think it was Eric, even said, oh, we got a lot of money coming from Russia. That's where we get most of our money. He said that well before Donald Trump was president. Of course, they're not talking about it now because that would be uh, not the best in the current situation for people to understand. But that's what it has been. I mean, Donald Trump's been a failure his whole life. When he started out as a young man, dad gave him some money. He lost all that money, so dad bailed him out. He lost all that money, so dad bailed him out. This fucking idiot found a way to fail in the casino business, and nobody fails in the casino business. But dad kept bailing him out. So dad dies. Now what Donald Trump does is he screws all his family members out of the money that dad had his niece and some other people, so he got, he's got more money. But because he consistently fails, he ultimately runs out of money. So now he needs another sugar daddy. His dad's dead. What's he going to do? Russia sees this clown of a businessman, but sees that he's well-known, he's powerful in his own right, and sees how they can easily manipulate him. So they do. And apparently for 30 years, they've been been manipulating this clown. And they've been using him to launder money and uh, get some exposure to whatever they needed to do. So come along uh, 2015, and there's a prospect that he's going to run for president. Now, when Donald Trump said he was going to run for president, nobody took that seriously. Nobody thought in a million years that Donald Trump could win. But then the media starts throwing him on TV every day, all day, and he gets some legitimacy. And the Russians, who have already put in a lot of work to to, uh, control Donald Trump, basically says, hey, we can help you win this by meddling in the 2016 election. Now, we know that fucking happened. We know they did it to help Donald Trump, and of course, he becomes president. Now, here's a gift that keeps on giving for Russians. You've got an asset in the White House working in your favor. All along the way, we see him do just that. Within days of being in the White House, he's got Russian spies in the Oval Office, and he accidentally, whoops, gives away some top-secret information. He befriends Vladimir Putin, tells him how much he loves him, believes him over our own intelligence agencies. Now, somebody will say this book is far-fetched or conspiracy theories, but when you look at all the facts, it seems to make some sense. Donald Trump is a Russian asset. Is he a, a mastermind spy? No, he's not. What he is is a fucking useful idiot. Vladimir Putin and the Russians know he's a useful idiot. They know how to work him. They know how to manipulate him. And I think people will find out that he's been an asset to the Russians for decades. From laundering money all the way to uh, uh, being president and allowing Vladimir Putin to run amok in this world. And we see the results of it in Ukraine and some of the other things that Russia is doing. What Donald Trump did to this country is far more expansive than we probably even know. We maybe don't even know the problems that uh, are going to occur because of the things that he did. That's why we need to do whatever we can to shut him down and make him accountable. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken made a compelling statement yesterday. He said there will be an independent Ukraine a lot longer then there will be Vladimir Putin. Well, that's that's a pretty strong statement. He's saying Ukraine will still be intact and still be united long after Vladimir Putin is gone. But you know what? He's right. I mean, think about this. Putin thought Russia would be something they could make quick work of. Ukraine put up a fight, and that hasn't happened. Ukraine isn't backing down between the embarrassment and the fact that Putin is now running Russia into the ground economically, um, suggests to me the odds are better that Putin will be gone before he actually can take over Ukraine. Now, even if he does take over Ukraine, he has a problem. 
because say he overtakes Kiev and all these things, and he wants to run the country with a puppet government and all those sorts of things, he doesn't really have the power to continue making it part of Russia. He can't do it because the Ukrainian people will not buy into the bullshit. They will never stop fighting. He may take over Kiev, but the people will not change. The fight will continue. And what will happen is this war, maybe smaller at some point, will continue. And Russia doesn't have the ability to continue the war probably more than a week. So if you really look at it, you take a look at what's going on, the odds are better that Vladimir Putin's going to disappear. And the reason for that is the Russian people, the Russian government, the Russian military are suffering mightily. And they know it's because of Vladimir Putin. They are going to have to do something to fix that situation. Otherwise, Russia will be ground down to a nub. And they can't allow that to happen. So Blinken said it. There will be an independent Ukraine far longer than there will be a Vladimir Putin. I think he hit the nail on the head, and I think that's what we're going to see. Sooner, the better. Now, there's a lot of concern about Russia attacking America, and I'm not talking about nuclear weapons. I'm not talking about missiles or or, uh, normal weapons. We're talking about cyber attacks. Now, we're hearing more about this, and apparently there's been some intelligence intercepted. There's been some talk going on, however they are finding it. And now the cyber attack thing is something we have to seriously be concerned about. Over and above traditional military type of attacks, this uh, cyber attack situation is very concerning. You may have forgotten by now, but a while back, with some cyber attacks, shut down an oil pipeline in the southeastern portion of the country. And that caused all kinds of havoc. Chaos, problems, gas lines. It caused uh, gas shortages in that area. Not because the oil or the gas wasn't there, it was because the computer system that ran it was hacked by Russian hackers. Now, there's a lot of things that can be hacked, you know, the grid. Oil lines, water lines, all kinds of things. So we have to take this potential situation very seriously. Because while it's not the same as nuclear weapons or missile attacks or anything like that, it could almost be as devastating and damaging to this country. I don't even know how you protect against those sort of things, but I'm sure we have our own hackers and we have our own people to try to protect us against that. But they weren't able to protect that pipeline. I mean, sure, they got it fixed ultimately and got it back up and running. But you shut down a grid for three days, and that fucking causes big problems. Not only do you not have electricity, then you don't have the fucking Internet. You don't have shit. And that could be extremely dangerous. So we have to be on our toes. We have to keep looking for ways to shut Russia down completely. As long as they have any fight in them, any vindictiveness, any revenge in their minds, we as a country are in danger. They maybe don't have the courage to invade us or to even send a nuclear missile. A lot of people think that's an eventuality, but I don't believe it is. There's more to shooting off a nuclear weapon than than Vladimir Putin walking into the office and pressing a red button. That's not how it works. There are processes and procedures. You have to go through a few people. And when it goes through those few people, chances are it's going to get shut down if it's ridiculous or if it's just revenge of some sort. I don't think the nuclear thing is going to happen. But that cyber attack possibility is something we should be really concerned about. It's easy to take our eyes off of that when we see all that's going on in Ukraine. But we've got to be focused on that. We've got to protect ourselves against that because what could happen, depending on what they're able to hack and how long they're able to shut it down, could have devastating impact on this country and all of us. So hopefully... They're going to be on top of this. And I'd love to speak intelligently on how they would do that, but I don't fucking know. I can only assume a company, a country the size of America with as much technology as we have and much uh, technological talent we have in this country that uh, 
we have some protections and a way to fight back. I know Anonymous is going in and and causing havoc with uh, the Russian um, IT situation. But we need to protect ourselves. More importantly, we need to get uh, Russia and Vladimir Putin shut down. We need to somehow keep the pressure on and make sure that Russia themselves find a way to get rid of Vladimir Putin. Now, that doesn't guarantee that whoever's coming in next is any better. In fact, he could be or she could be even worse. So we've got to somehow kind of hogtie Russia. And by the sanctions and the economic problems, they are going to be in tough shape once this Ukraine thing is over. They're going to be uh, like a, a limping dog. They're going to need help. And at that point, once we have some control... We need to make sure that they're looking and acting the right way before they get the help. Now that we have leverage, we need to use that leverage and make sure it's right. Don't believe anybody. Don't trust anybody. Make sure that we get the changes we need within that country to keep this world safe. All right. I hope you have a great day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.